guys, it's me, Isabella Gomez, filling in for Smokey Bear because he's got more to say than just... Only you can prevent wildfires. Like, if you're outside enjoying a barbecue, don't let a hamburger distract you from fire safety. Make sure you aren't dumping your hot coals or ashes onto the ground because that could start a wildfire. So take wildfire prevention seriously and let's save the world one day at a time. Juntos con Smokey Bear, podemos hacerlo. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. I always had to be so good, no one could ignore me. Carve my path with data and drive. But some people only see who I am on paper. The paper ceiling, the limitations from degree screens to stereotypes that are holding back over 70 million stars. Workers skilled through alternative routes rather than a bachelor's degree. It's time for skills to speak for themselves. Find resources for breaking through barriers at tearthepaperceiling.org. Brought to you by Opportunity at Work and the Ad Council. Welcome into the Sports Insanity Podcast. Let's go completely insane, peeps! What is going on, sports fans? It's the familiar voice that hasn't brought a show in in a while. It is Lawrence Patchman Lang here, bringing you into another exciting episode of the Sports Insanity Podcast on the Sports Insanity Network. Game 12, top of the fifth. We're here for a great show. It was a wild weekend in the conference championship games. We had some crybaby in L.A. flipping out about not getting a call. That happened. Plus, New York City kind of went green. We'll go. We're going to save that for later in the show. But we're here for a great time. Great cast of crew here. Mark Oldop, Sky Halpern, Bill Corpus Crispy, Murphy, and Danny Boy Reginald are all here for a great top of the fifth. Boys, how are you doing? Doing well. How are you, Patch? Oh, I am fantastic. You know, it was a great day, even though it was inventory at work. It was a great weekend of sports. It it's great that it was a great weekend. We're here to talk about it. Old Ops guy, how you doing? I am on the mend, getting better slowly and surely. The flu is finally leaving the home. We have now gotten under the 100 temperatures, so we're doing better. All right. And DBR, first of all, um, New York City was not jet gangrene, if that's what anyone's talking about here. No. Um, that's a bit of a tease and all that stuff. Uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing fine. All right, man. Happy you're here, too. All right, old Ops guy, take it away with the conference recap weekend in football. So as a weekend, that's normally a very joyous occasion, you know, for a lot of us, because it's the game that leads us right up to the Super Bowl. Well, all of us in this room did not have a team standing there. So there was a lot of non-biased talk this weekend, which was great. Everybody was talking about why these teams are going to win. And we're just going to go in order of how the games were. We're going to start off with the game that I was more pulling for one side, even though I was kind of figuring the other side was going to win the 
Philadelphia Eagles end up beating the San Francisco 49ers with a final score of 31 to 7. Jalen Hurts did not have a fantastic day, but he really didn't need to. 15 to 25, 121 yards. Um, Kenneth Gamewell and Miles Sanders led the way in rushing for the Eagles of 48 and 42 yards, respectively. However, Miles Sanders did have two rushing touchdowns yesterday, which is a lot of what he was doing all season. So it was a good sign to see him going. And the person who I expected to really be the, the playmaker in this game was really shut down. And that was um, AJ Brown, who only had four receptions for 28 yards. But nevertheless, the Eagles uh, beat the Purdy train and the Purdy train was the emergency break was pulled on way too early for Brock and an injury happened. Dan, this was one of the more craziest injuries I have seen in football yet. The Brock Purdy UCL tear on a basically muff throw and then punched forward fumble. Yeah, no, that was a very unfortunate, very, very unfortunate injury for Brock Purdy. He didn't even stand a chance to come back. The 49ers didn't even stand a chance. I I mean, the fact is that we were expecting, and look, it was competitive for maybe part of a half. At the end of the day, the, the Eagles were just a much better team, but the Niners didn't even have a chance to even compete. And it sucks because, you know, when you're – look, they were, they were dead when Purdy got injured. You, you can't tell me that you can use – your fourth string quarterback. And look, I've seen Josh Johnson play and Josh Johnson can ball out when he absolutely has to, but you can't tell me fourth string quarterback. And then all of a sudden you're going to go to the Super Bowl. It's, it doesn't work. And then now what we know about is UCL. There's just no way they're going to win that Super Bowl anyway. Um, But of course the Niners, they, they had a valiant effort, but ultimately the Eagles took advantage of a situation that was basically granted to them and absolutely pounded the Niners. Second half wasn't even close. Niners defense wasn't wasn't there. Um, the entire half offense obviously didn't do anything. Their fourth stringer gets injured. Of course, the fourth stringer gets injured too. It, it, I mean... The the fact is, you know, you just feel for San Francisco fans. You know, they were very excited about um, an idea of competing against the Eagles and what would have been a really nice championship game. And uh, it ended early. Yeah, it was sad to see uh, Purdy go out that way. Uh, Bill, yes. Rock Purdy leaving with the UCL tear. I think that is just an absolute, that's absolutely heartbreaking because, you know, Purdy was leading this team, you know, after Lance and then Garoppolo. And they're like, all right, Brock Purdy, but you still got to applaud him for a hell of a season. You still got to applaud him for that because this was what, Mr. Irrelevant? 
Well, uh, at one point, yes. Relevant this season, I think he was very relevant this season. But um, yeah, I got something not about Purdy, but just about the game overall. Is that okay? Yes, sir. Okay, but you know what? In a way, okay, the final score was thirty-one-seven, right? So you're thinking, okay, this game was a blowout, but when you look on the defense, for example, it was a little, it was closer than the score let on. The the 49ers defense held the Eagles to just 4.8 yards per pass, 3.4 yards per carry, and 3.8 yards per play. And four TDs on the ground. Yes, but the offense was completely shot. You know, I think with Purdy getting injured, I think that was a a big blow to the 49ers offense. But like I said, the defense, the game was closer than it led on to be. Okay. Before we get to Patchman, um Brock Purdy, I mean, he tried to come back. He tried to be uh his Jordan flu moment, but there was no way he could move that arm, throw it even throw a ball. You could see it. Patchy. Yeah, it's unfortunate for the 49ers. You know, they didn't go through one. They didn't go through two. They didn't go through three. They went through four quarterbacks throughout the course of the season and into the playoffs. Hell of a run by the Niners, but, you know, a better Philadelphia Eagles team came out and played in. Injuries can happen at any time, and unfortunately for Purdy, it it didn't end Purdy. You know, it just came at an unfortunate time. You know, sometimes the slightest motion just does everything. We've seen it throughout of all the sports. You step wrong, sometimes you just blow your knee out. In this case, you know, it's blow your arm out. So, you know, and he tried to come back. He tried to bring some pretty magic back for one more run. And, you know, unfortunately, when you can't throw the ball, you're basically limited to to a run game the rest of the way. And it's sad to see because the Niners, I felt, had a shot against the Eagles. A shot. I'm not going to say they were going to blow them out of the water, but they had a shot against the Eagles. And unfortunately, that magic just fizzled out and went into oblivion and went into the Liberty Bell and it banged out. So, you know, credit to the Eagles. Credit to Hertz. Hertz has proven, you know, that, hey, I'm a good quarterback. I'm a great quarterback. I can get the job done in big situations. That's what he does. And he has one task left ahead of him getting to the Super Bowl. So credit to the Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. So the Philadelphia Eagles are moving on. That's the NFC team. But there was another game played last night. And We're going to be on this game for a little bit because I'm sure we all have our own little opinion about the ending of this this game. Dealing between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals, which, as uh, our buddy Mike Rifkin put it, the primetime game. Uh, You know, I think it was the right game for the night, but... Something felt weird about this game from the moment that ball was kicked off. Something just felt wrong. Something didn't seem right. Now, if you look at the performances, obviously, Joe Burrow, 26 of 41, 271 and two interceptions. 
And then Patrick Mahomes, pretty much flawless all night, 326 yards and two touchdowns. What was not there that had been for the Chiefs all season was the running game. The running game was just non-existent for them. Didn't really matter. They made up for what they lost in the run in the past anyway with uh, MVS having his best night as a Chief yet uh, a good old Packer from Patchy's uh, old uh, good old hunting grounds. My issue with this whole game, the game was great. My issue, and I'm going to say mine, and then I'm going to let the guys see if they have a different one. My issue was the flag that was thrown for the, that set up the winning. That was not, uh, that wasn't unsportsmanlike conduct. It wasn't unnecessary roughness. It wasn't even a patty cake. And that kind of fits his name too. Um, but what that flag did was basically won the Chiefs their way into the Super Bowl. And I'm not saying they weren't going to get there on their own. But in heroic fashion, the refs seemed to come in and save it for, for Patrick Mahomes. What they have against Joe Burrow, I have no idea. But you can't tell me that that was roughing the pass or defensive, whatever. I'm sorry. We're going to go in reverse now a little bit, we're going to go right to Bill first. Bill, yes. obviously, we're talking KC Cincinnati. And your reflections on the game, and do you have any opinions regarding the refs? Okay. Um, I just want to say, you know, my first overall opinion of the game, I think it is safe to say, I don't know if you guys would agree or disagree with me or not, this is now officially a rivalry. I would now put Burrow versus Mahomes – up with the Brady versus Man. And it kind of reminds me last season, I'll go on a very quick tangent here, when we were doing a Thursday night gridiron, I think it was for the a Chargers-Chiefs game, and one of the questions, the run, the um, rapid-fire questions was, do you think the Chargers and Chiefs are a... Or do you think, do you think um, Burroughs and Mahomes is the new Brady-Manning? And... And I, and you know, no, 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 it was Herbert and Mahomes. Sorry, ding. Um, but I, I said no because they were in the same division. I think what made the Brady Manning thing so, so great is because they didn't play each other every year. It was mostly in the playoffs. And I think I'm sort of seeing that right now with Pat Mahomes and Joe Burrow. This is going to be a matchup that's going to you know, outlive its welcome, uh, because, you know, pretty, pretty fast. Because, oh, sorry, go on. Uh, I'll get it right back here because America loves an underdog. And now Joe Burrow is just that. Until he can now get back to the Super Bowl, he's always going to be known as an underdog. Go ahead, Bill. Yeah, but what I was saying, though, is what I was saying is that but the game overall i think the the officiating was a little questionable but i don't know if it was rigged because i watched the that the the unnecessary roughing the unnecessary penalty penalty i watched that penalty with my homes i must have watched it like three or four times today trying to 
see where the if that was the hit or not. Like I did see a bit of a hit, but I don't know if I would call it unnecessary roughness or not. Because, but at the same time, Mahomes was already out of bounds. So isn't the play already dead? See, we're gonna catch you there because just because a player is out of bounds and they are hit doesn't mean a flag can't be thrown in for that period of time. It still goes down as an unsportsmanlike conduct, but what they threw the flag on was not roughing the passer or unnecessary roughness. He barely tapped his shoulder. Yes. So go ahead, Bill. Yeah, but if he barely tapped the shoulder, then I really find that penalty very unnecessary then. Exactly. That's and I don't mean but, unnecessary roughness. <laughs> no, but that's what the, but that penalty ended up clinching the game for Cincinnati. So that's why that's why a lot of people are thinking that the refs had something in on it. We're gonna move right along here. We're gonna go to Danny Boy Reginald. Danny. Joe Burrow and the Bengals, Patrick Mahomes, the New York Mets star. Where are we going here? By definition, by the way, the penalty is correct. By definition. But you don't throw the flag in that situation. This was a good game. This was a game where everyone's on the edge of their seats and they're looking for like some big time classic game big time nail biter for the right to go to the super bowl can't see he's driving down the field but, but by the way i want to i want to get on the rest for this so you're going to call uh, a penalty on the side for those flags for that little little tip on uh, mahomes's back but then you're not going to call holding, a clear holding of Hendrickson, Trey Hendrickson um, by the Chiefs. And then you're not going to call blocking it back on that return. I'm sorry. Mm. That, 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 there's a problem with these refs. And the refs miss calls all game. So clearly we, we all know, we all know they're looking for that one moment to say, we're going to take control. And that's what this is all about, really. You know, this is, again, this is a game that was down to the wire. Everyone wants to see what Patrick Mahomes can do. Can he pull off? Will the Bengals defense come through and make a big stop and force the the Chiefs to have to do a longer field goal? Like Whatever it is. And we were all robbed of that because of these referees that, let's be honest, all they want to do is have just one little moment where they can control the game. And they did. And it's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. It happens every single year. There's always that one game where everything's good. Everything's going well. And then they make one silly call that they know, okay, this is going to impact the game. This is going to lean towards a win for this team or that team. The Chiefs benefited from that um, penalty call. And look, like I said, by definition, it's a good call. But you don't throw the damn flag. Keep it in your pocket and let them play. 
What's wrong with letting them play? I mean, it wasn't, I mean, the, the flag thrown, uh, Dan has said, you know, by rule defined, it was correctly thrown flag. As Dan then just said, you don't throw it. In that situation, putting a team into the Super Bowl, you can't tell me this whole squad is not scrutinized for it. Yeah. It's Patchy. Sorry, Dan. It's a shame, um, Patch, and it will go straight to you. Like, when are the reps just going to uh, – and I know all they want to do is have their moment where they can be the ones to shine and not the players. In any sport, really, it's about the players. The game is not about the refs, and the refs have to stop trying to be the story. Because that's what it is today. Again, the reps are the story. Uh, Lawrence. Ah, great games always happen in championship scenarios. We had a great game on our hands. And then all of a sudden, in the fourth quarter, two things occur. One, we have a ref trying to blow its whistle that no one heard. That, you know, everyone's like, WTF, what the um, front door? Is it third down? Is it fourth down? Do we punt? Do we not punt? And it's like, what, what's going on? I thought the Chiefs were punting, and all of a sudden, no, it's third down again. It's like, huh? All right, you know what? S- someone giving an explanation on that scenario because, you know, that threw me into a riot. It was like, okay, they're punting the ball, and then all of a sudden, it's third down again. Second, the game-stealing penalty, and we're going to go to my friend, my little cell phone holder friend. (laughs) To the analogy of my friends and to the listeners out there, maybe we'll post this as a video. You go like that, and then it's like um, our friend in L.A. that had a hissy fit. And then it's like... Where's where's the flag? And all of a sudden, there comes the yellow laundry. It's like, Mm -hmm. are you... Excuse my use of these words at this moment. You could put some sensor beeps in there, Danny. But like, what the actual fuck? Like, are you kidding me? You're going to cost Cincy the game on that fucking bullshit? Really? It, I, I never... You know what? Mahomes learned from LeBron. When in doubt, just flop and you'll get the call. And that's, that's what happened in that scenario. That was a BS penalty. I am sorry, you know... Patrick Mahomes is great, but to, for that game to end like that, it's almost like the fail Mary almost. Yeah, yeah, oh. and it, it, it's it's just like that, in my opinion. And, and and that's a compare and contrast. You can debate me all you want, internet. I don't care, and I'm saying that as a non-biased Packers fan with that the, the fail Mary because everyone knew the replacement ref sucked in that situation. Oh. To, for the game to end like that. It's like, might as well just give Kansas City a Lombardi trophy already because it seems that, you know, calls are going to go a certain way, I think, when it comes to that Super Bowl. Because, you know, calls are messed, like Danny Boy said, you know, a holding call, illegal block in the back. Those calls can be missed sometimes. Sometimes it's a bang-bang play, you miss it. Okay. We had the, you know, we, we had the experiment of challenging pass interference and we know that didn't work out. And, you know, pass interference is missed sometimes. We saw a clear no catch in the Philly game. 
with the Eagles. Yep. We saw that where, you know, the receiver dro- going down to the ground that you s- clearly see the ball move. He Never. did not catch that. Well, yes, just like Des. We'll just throw that out Des there. caught it. Des caught it. Devonta didn't. No, I'm, just, I'm just messing with you, trying oh, to blame you a little I bit. I got, I got to bust your ball still about it because I can. But, like, it, it's, it's like, to me, we need to find a way to, you know, I'm not saying you have to throw a challenge at every flag, but you know, there has to be a way to stop this nonsense of, you know, now and NFL players are flopping like NBA players, because to me, you know, once again, slight push all of a sudden, and then it's an acrobatic um, circus act where it's like, Oh, he touched me. He really pushed me to the ground and yeah, da, 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 throw the flag da, da, da. again. You know, it's like, come on. Overall, fantastic game up to those two points because it was like you're just killing Cinti's momentum. Cinti was about to get a big fourth down stop. They were gonna Kansas City was gonna punt. I think I think they're in. I think they're outside of field goal range for Butker. And you know maybe maybe Cincy had a shot to go down with you know a minute left to maybe kick a game winning field goal. And we're 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 saying hey it's Cincy and Philly right now in the Super Bowl, but. One bone, and you can't throw flack at the the Bengals defensive player because to me it shouldn't have been a flag. And you know everyone's yelling at him saying that's going to be the worst mistake he ever makes in his career. Yeah. Uh, we've seen worse from others. I'm just throwing that out there. I I know Dallas actually owns owns eight at the top ten on that list. So yeah, well, yeah. and then and then someone out of L.A. I mean, not L.A., um, out of Las Vegas, too. <laughs> well, we, won't, we won't talk about him either, but, you know, to, to, to criticize this Cincy Bengals player, so, you know, a mistake happened, you know, and you really go look back at it, he barely touched him. He gave him a little eh, and then, you know, a circus act ensues for Mahomes, and, you know, what do we do now these days? We cater to the top, the, the golden child we're going to go now. He is the golden child. He, he is the golden child of the NFL right now. He is the golden child. I don't care what people say. You can say other people are the golden child, but Mahomes is the golden child now where he is the new Brady and you can't touch him. I was just actually about to ask that. Do you think Mahomes is the new Brady? You yeah. people, you know what? People bitch about Aaron Rodgers and now and now he gets flags on him. I you know what? Mm-mm. Mahomes does it more, I think, because you know. Once again, you you, you got to protect. Once again, you, what do you do? Protect the bread and butter. Eh, who cares if Joe Burrow gets sacked eight times? Who cares if Josh Allen gets sacked eight times? You know, you know what? No, who cares about Jalen Hurts getting sacked eight times? You know, it's it's basically you know what Mahomes, golden baby, golden baby, joke. And you know, and it, it, you know, it, 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 people calling him the greatest right now in the NFL. Shut up, shut up. All right, the you man gets hit one. MVP? Hey, no, he deserves. No, he deserves it. He had a great season. I, you know, he had a great season. You know, Jalen Hurts had a great season. Burrow had a great season. You got to keep them in consideration for MVP as well. You know, Hurts. Look at look at Hurts' comeback. Hurts had a successful season. He's bringing. You know, yes, he's won half of the Super Bowl, but he you know he brought the he brought the Eagles back, and people called the Eagles a bunch of frauds because of their schedule. You know what? They got the job done. 
you win foot, you go out and win a football game, regardless if you win by three or you win by 23. You know, I said that about the Giants, about them getting lucky. Granted, you know, the Giants are a med court team, in my opinion, on that point, but they still, they still won football games. And that, and that's what it all comes down to in the end is who wins and moved on. Obviously we know our answers that the Philadelphia Eagles will be playing the Kansas city chiefs in super bowl 57 on Sunday, February 12th, which is believe it or not, not that far away. Not as far as you, as we normally think it would be 13 days away. Yeah. But who's counting? I have two questions to ask the group and I want basically one minute answers. So the first question is, will this two weeks off hurt Jalen Hurts' momentum? And we're going to start with Danny Boy. No. He'll be fine. If he can have time off uh, before the divisional round and still be, like, unbelievably good, he'll be fine for the Super Bowl. Of course, no, I say that. I have no idea how he's going to play in the Super Bowl. So, you know, right now it's just talk. I think he'll be fine. Okay, Patchy. I don't think so either. You know, sometimes rest is good for certain players. You know, we, we've we seen it throughout sports. You know, sometimes you get that extra rest and you're good to go and you do better. I think this these 12 days off for Hertz is going to be great. He's going to be well-rested and, you know, don't count out the Eagles in the Super Bowl. You know, they, to me, they're going to, you know, they're going to probably put the Chiefs as the favorite and the Eagles as the underdogs. Remember the last time the Eagles were underdogs? I I think they were underdogs in the last Super Bowl they were in. They took care of business. And, you know, they took care of um, business and they did something special in that Super Bowl that brought them home their first Lombardi trophy. So don't be surprised if something special again happens with the Eagles and they bring home Super Bowl number two. Bill. Uh, I'm going to say no. And translated for our Spanish-speaking listeners, no. Because if you've seen with Jalen Hurts, like if you saw what he did to my beloved New York Giants after two weeks off, I don't think two weeks off is going to hurt him. Well, well, realistically, with that game, we knew the Giants were going to get blown out. It wasn't going to be close. I thought, you know, I don't want to go back to last week. I only want to go forward, not back. Well, I was probably the only one who else said the Giants were going to win that game. So I was with you. I, but no, I don't think the two weeks off is going to hurt his momentum. Okay. Um, okay, go ahead. Finish up. I think if he could do that, then. I, I think he'll be fine. That's the short version. Now, we're going to ask the, this question. So, how does the two-week break heal Mahomes' break? And we're going to start with Patch on this one. You know, it, it, it's interesting because, you know, when you're playing on a bum ankle, you need rest to be healthy. But sometimes too much rest is bad. To me, this is, I think, going to hurt Mahomes. Because sometimes when you take too much rest, you know, granted, you know, every, you know, football players every day in the gym and all that working out, game plans, all that, practice, practice, practice. 
to me, if you're too well rested in the Holmes situation because of your ankle, I feel you might not not to say it's going to be a quick heal, but you know if your sprain heals a, a little bit. To me, if you roll that ankle one time doing anything, you're back to square one. So, you know, I'm not saying he has to be out every day, you know, running seven miles, but, you know, do Mahomes has to do what's right to keep that ankle. I would say not at 100 percent, but at like 90 percent, because if you had 100 percent, some if you go back to 100 too quick, once again, we've seen in all sports, if you come back too quick from injury, you relapse quicker. So. I'm going to say it's going to hurt Mahomes being because he's going to try, he's going to probably overrest himself instead of taking it. Um, I would say like, like I said, once again, going, he's going to try to go for the hundred percent to be ready to go when he should be going 90% ready to go. I'd rather be a little bit hurt than to be fully back too quick. Okay. That is a good, good take on it. Billy boy. I think if he gets the proper training, and he listens to the trainers as he knows when to rest and when to, you know, do exercises. You know, I kind of do agree with Patchy. He, he might try, have to go to hundred too quick, but I think he needs to try to find a balance of healing. Like listen to the trainers. If they say, okay, if they say do this for like 30 minutes a day, don't try to go do an hour, just do what they say and go 30 and, do stretches when they say and don't stretch when they when they say. So I think it really depends on if he's willing to listen to the trainers and just willing to find. I think he should be okay. Okay, Danny boy. I mean, if he, he and and look, I don't. By the way, I don't want to take any moment away from the AFC Championship from Mahomes um, because he actually did play a good game. Back that he's making throws with one bad ankle and still having accurate throws too. I think it just goes to show you, like, man to player and probably one of the best quarterbacks of all time. I I also believe that this will this will heal it just a, a little bit, probably enough to play. It doesn't fully heal it. I think there's something wrong with it. I think he is he is hurt. It's an injury that probably needs to be repaired in the offseason. But the Chiefs will handle that in the offseason. Right now, Andy Reid's focused on football. Mahomes focused on football. The Chiefs are focused on football. And we're we're all looking forward to the Super Bowl. We will have Super Bowl stuff here on the network where we will get that more out to you. Yes, Bill. I just want to give a couple of interesting facts about the Super Bowl coming up. Did you know this is the first time two African-American quarterbacks will be playing against each other? Yes. And also, this is the first time two brothers, Jason and Travis Kelsey, will be playing against each other. Well, technically, it's the first time two player brothers have, but it's the second time. But behind the... um, Hardballs. And you well, know don't what? Don't forget I, about the barbers. Oh, the That's barbers. Right. Tiki, yep. Tiki. And you know what I'm you know what I also like about this Super Bowl? I know we'll probably talk more about this next week, but why I and I think this is good for football that we have two young quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes versus Jalen Hurts. 
because I feel like the past couple Super Bowls, it's been old versus new. Like it, it's been, you know, we had. It's really just Brady versus the new breed. It's, you know, it's Brady, Brady versus, versus the new breed. Then, then Mahomes versus um, Mahomes versus Garoppolo. And then it's been, you know, well, Garoppolo ain't old. Garoppolo is, you know, Garoppolo. Um, Mahomes versus Mahomes versus Brady, and then last year was Burrow versus Stafford. I think it's good that we're seeing two young quarterbacks play against each other. Paraphrasing President John F. Kennedy, the torch has been passed to a new generation, and the Kennedys will be coming after you now. Okay, Caroline Kennedy Strasburg, if you are listening to this, please don't sue me. Now, nah, please, uh, as head of HR, we don't need any lawsuits, so please now. The Super Bowl will be coming to us, you know, faster than we expect. It's going to be an exciting game. We, we will have a lot of different stuff on the network out during the week, and we will keep you up to date on what we are going to be doing for the Super Bowl. But we're going to move on from the gridiron. And we're going to come back to the infield of baseball for a little bit. As baseball, we have already said it's inching closer. Well, now it's even more than it was closer. We are now hitting the two-week window of spring training. The 15th, Monday the 15th, is when most teams, pitchers, and catchers report. Does anybody else find that it's funny that, that football ends Sunday, baseball literally begins Monday? Um, you said the 15th? The 15th yes. of Wednesday. Pat, make sure you edit this. No, that's on Dan. Dan edits. Yeah. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> you just had to ruin the momentum. I meant to say the 13th. Oh, okay. I meant but to I, say the 13th, so there we go. Dan, I apologize. You got it. Okay. Well, as you know, we leave, we leave football behind and we welcome in baseball on the 13th. I kind of find it funny that it's, uh, you know, just happening like that. You know, it's going to be that quick of a transition. Not a lot of moves to talk of lately. Uh, for the New York Mets, we did the right thing by Jeff McNeil. Instead of going to him with arbitration requests, the New York Mets and Jeff McNeil locked up a four-year, $50 million contract about a week ago. This was, to me, one of the more, one of the more important signings the Mets needed to do. I think the Nets had, Mets had to keep McNeil at no matter what cost. I also said the same thing about Nimmo, and they did that. The Yankees, well, they m- moved closer together with one arbitration dealer, and that's Glaber. Does he deserve the arbitration, my Yankee fans? No. Okay, why? The reason is because Glaber really hasn't been a better – he hasn't gotten better since that – I mean, he had a tremendous year um, in 2018, 2019. Um, But since then, he hasn't been good. He hasn't gotten better. So – I think the Yankees are doing this because they know they missed out on a, on free agents, I guess, and they need to fill voids in the infield. And Glaber could play like second base, and that's fine and all. But it, 
look, it, it's only for one year, so that's why it's not like over the, the top crazy. I'm not going to go nuts over it. But eventually, the, they have to address the Glaber situation, and by address it, I mean they have to get rid of him. Bill, um, it's just like like what Dan said. I think he's very hot and cold, and that's the issue with Glaber. But I do think the deal that they hit, I don't think it's terrible because he's only going to be around one year. And whatever happens after that, he might he might be gone next year. So I like the deal, but I don't know if it was exactly arbitration worthy. But I like how they just, you know, prevented anything. And it's not a lot of money either. So they prevented them and they got to meet in the middle and they didn't, you know, have the whole ship go down, if you know what I mean. What if, they, what if they went to arbitration, though? Then I'd be, this is ridiculous. But the reason why is we have to send a message to Yankee fans and to Glaber Torres. Look, Glaber, right now, your play is not helping the Yankees. The message has to be sent. The team is sort of fading away from you. And the only way to do that is to go to arbitration. Look, you don't want you, – obviously, you, you don't want to um, end a relationship on a bad note. And, I, and the Yankees, you know, that they, they've they obviously – with a couple of uh, obvious uh, exceptions, Alex Rodriguez and Waldis Chapman and uh, all that. But, you know, at the end of the day, the message has to be sent. We need new bodies at second base. We need new bodies in the infield. Glaber Torres is what he is. So I don't know. Like I, I look, I, I get why the Yankees did it, and I'm not necessarily mad at it, but I would have sent it to arbitration and be like, look, we'll give you whatever the arbiter wants grants you, but this is what we think you're worth. And if you don't like it, well, then tough shit. We'll move you. And that's, you know, going to be uh, one question for the Yankees. Before we get to our second question about the Yankees, Lawrence, what do we got going on in the Nationals uh, side of the venue? Oh, Juan Soto's brother's coming, <laughs> apparently. The second Elliot's. coming, huh? The second coming of Soto just to be, you know, um, traded to somebody else and breaks my heart again. <laughs> but one bit of other news that kind of surprised me, Zach Granke goes back to the Royals. Wow. Yes. Zach Granke returns. To, Zach Granke is now Royal again. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think he likes it there. I think <laughs> he, look, it, it, obviously he's not the same pitcher he used to be. Uh, he wasn't last season with Kansas City, but I think he likes it there. Look, there's okay. no big pressure on it, and like I said, not not the same pitcher like he was years ago. Yes. So, what better place to do it than a place that you know you know he's not you know the Royals are not going to be the playoffs, so why not? The Royals, and we're going to get into a lot of baseball talk as baseball's coming up, but I'm going to nudge Dan a little bit. I think the Royals could be the Baltimore Orioles of last year. 
that's a big that's a big stance to take, but that's that's what I'm just saying right there for for Dan and I start to argument on baseball time. Mm-hmm. Now back to the Yankees, and this is a question that's not just been on my mind. This has actually gone through social media and a lot of different outlets this morning. Are the Yankees stuck with Aaron Hicks at left field? And I mean stuck. Not because they don't have other options. I mean, they have nobody. I mean, they're stuck with the contract, but they're not necessarily stuck with him. You could you could not play him. You're going to pay him, but you don't have to play him. Bill? Um, my thing is, I think they're stuck with him in the fact that like like what Reg said, I don't think they have to play him. But, you know, the thing is, it's like with the Yankees, it's like if you want to get like a Brian Reynolds or a Max Kelper, who are you who are you willing to give? Because Pittsburgh, they want pitching prospects. So are you going to give away people for the farm to get Brian Reynolds? What are you going to get for Max Kelper? You know, you do have other options. Maybe have Giancarlo play in the outfield more. Maybe have Oswaldo Cabrera, or maybe call up. Hold on, I wrote his name down. I'm gonna butcher this, but I'm gonna do my best. Um, I could not find his name on the top baseball checklist. I wrote his name down. I'm sorry, Bill. Estevia Flores. Estevia Flores. Estevia Flores. Hey, <laughs> I did butcher his name. You did fine. You did fine, Bill. I did fine. You did better than when you're pronouncing hockey names. Oh God! Don't remind me of the hockey names. Um, um, <laughs> that should be a segment. Bill reads hockey names, but anyway. Um, but I, whether you call a Flores or whether you Brian Reynolds or anything, um, or anything else, I would say that it's. I would say, I'm sorry, I'm drawing blank right now. Okay. But because you have those options, but are the Yankees willing to do them? Because like I said, if you want to go with Reynolds, who are you going to give? Who are you going to give to Pittsburgh? And that's the guy, though. And that is, or Oswaldo Cabrera, move him to the outfield. What are you going to do? And baseball is that close. You can see the, Steam's coming off our head like the fresh steam off of Red Hots at the stadium. You know, we're all we're all got our opinions based, but we still got to get football out of the way. But a little NBA news. The New York Knicks are hosting the L.A. Lakers tomorrow night here in New York. And you don't have to go and buy a ticket to Broadway when you have the best show on earth going to be at the garden in front of you the best acting player in the world is going to try to showcase and tell us the world why he's the best why my kids should look up to this kid why anybody that he whines and complains and he throws a hissy fit when he doesn't get a call please my ton my son throws better temper tantrums that than lebron james does but the Knicks are hosting this big time baby. And it 
makes me makes me wonder and, and look at the whole the whole thing, you know, just as another joke to add to the sports world. Why am I telling my kids to go watch and do this? This is what you need to act like when the commercial was all I want. I want to be like Mike. That's what it is. Dan, LeBron James and the Lakers coming into New York tomorrow and LeBron James bringing the, the, the baby store. You're, you're, you're being too hard. LeBron. <laughs> That's just my opinion. That's okay. You're, you're being we don't argue once in a while. We're not good. Um, the, 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 the Lakers, by the way, they're, they're in Brooklyn right now. They're in a very tight one right now in the third quarter. Um, the, the Lakers are on their Grammy road trip. Uh, East Coast, maybe part of the West Coast. So, yeah, it's a tough road trip for the Lakers. Um, still trying to figure out what type of team they are and stuff. Uh, I think the Knicks can win this one. I think the Knicks um, have a better team. If not better players, definitely better team cohesion. So that will definitely uh, trump over uh, the Lakers. Now, I- I'm sorry. Y- y- y'all are crying are crying about the fact that LeBron James is crying, baby. Look, the call, it was a bad call. And here's the deal. You have replay. If we're going to have replay in sports and you know that there's going to be a missed call that could determine a winner, like, come on now, this was a foul call on Saturday or what was it? Was it Saturday? Um, that, let's be honest, could have it costed the Lakers the game. And look, I know they went to overtime, they still had a chance, but it changed the game. If you're going to have replay and not use it, what's the point? Like, there's a reason why we have all this technology. And if we are going to, if we're in the business in sports where we have to make sure that every call made by officials is right or any missed call gets detected, then we have to make sure that we get those calls. So, look, it was LeBron a little over the top? Fine, you, you can say that. But I don't blame him for complaining. I don't. Like, how many times are we going to miss these calls? That was an obvious foul. And let's be real. Foul, Lakers get free throws. Lakers should have won that game in regulation. Um, Obviously, of course, no one could predict whether he makes those free throws. But he should have gotten a chance for free throws that would have won in the game. So I have no issues with LeBron complaining. The NBA admitted that it was a bad call. So I think LeBron's complaining was justified. Over the top, fine. If you want to, we can argue whether or not he should have been like, okay, whatever. No. Bottom line is he complained because it was a missed call, and we saw on live television how bad of a call it was that it was missed. I'm sorry. The the, the NBA. I'm sorry. I love that's why I brought the topic in. The NBA has to do a better job 
Uh, just like the NFL has to do a better job with its refs, the NBA 100% has to do a better job. You have the technology to detect a missed foul call that would change the that that would obviously make a huge difference in the game. So why not use it? Why not have a system where you have an official in the arena and be like, buzz them down to the officials on the court, be like, look, I think we have a foul call that you need to look at. So to me, I think that LeBron, you want to say he's over the top, fine, but he had every right to complain. And look, you can call him a crybaby all you want. Lakers should have won that game in regulation. So I'm on LeBron's side for this one. Patchman. Tantrum, open up on Broadway near soon. On a Broadway show near you soon. Just wanted to throw it out there just for fun. Tantrum. <laughs> I agree, Danny Boy. You know, the refs have in the NBA have been atrocious too. Uh, it, 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 it's just like, did we send the NFL replacement refs to be NBA referees now? Mm-hmm. So, you know, well, you know, LeBron has a case, you know, <laughs> it was a blown call, but many times LeBron has been overzealous as well when it comes to certain calls that haven't been called before. And, you know, calls that should have been called, but weren't called and that were called and should have been called, et cetera, et cetera, with LeBron. We, we've seen it throughout the last few years with LeBron. It's basketball tomorrow for the Knicks and the Lakers or whenever they play. It's basketball. Go out and play the game, you know. Forget what happened this past weekend. You go out and play the damn game. Should have been called? Yes. Was it called? No. Like Dan said, you should have won the debate. You should have won in regulation instead of losing in overtime. You forget about it. Blown out of proportion. You move on from it. Not blown out. That's ridiculous. What are you talking about? Blown out of proportion. It's a missed foul call. I, I understand it's a missed foul call, but I'm saying like everybody involved was it, it was. I you know Le- LeBron expressed his expressed what everybody was saying. What's wrong with these refs this season? They are just terrible. And did he go over? Uh, I'll say he went a little over the top. I'm not saying he went way over the top of the backboard, but like he went up to like maybe the top of the backboard. He didn't go over the backboard. He went on to the top and pleaded his, you know what? Aired his grievances in the words of um, Frank Costanza. He <laughs> aired his grievances. Bill, your take on this whole thing. Yeah, I want to begin by adding to the uh, tantrum on Broadway. Hey, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber, since Phantom's coming off, there's a, there's a musical you can write. And the lyrics will be probably written by Sir Tim. I wrote everything, Rice, because he wrote everything. But anyway, I think that um, no, I think LeBron has the right to be frustrated because that was a blown call. I watched it just like the the Mahomes thing. I watched it a couple times today, and I think that was a ridiculous call. But I think LeBron's reaction was way over the top and i think it was way unnecessary how how else is is he supposed to react like i get no i get it you're frustrated but it was kind of you know what dan that's a good question i the the argument changes bill 
and I'll get to you. I'll let you finish. The argument changes when the game is on the line. Okay, you know what? I can see that. I can see that. Um, If it was a blowout and he was acting like that, yeah, yeah, of course. We're going to be like, what the hell, dude? Like, come on now. You have children watching you. Yeah, but game on the line. Sorry, you you miss you miss that foul. That's a bad. That's bad on the refs. Well, go finish, finish though. But no, because like my original point was saying, okay, you need to learn to be in better control of your emotions. But you know, Dan, I could see what you're saying too. That's the last couple seconds. It's you know, I'm sure that's a lot because that call cost him the game. So. I think it's a little bit of a mixed bag of what I was going to say, but I'd like to thank Dan for setting me straight there. Um, Don't worry about it. You've been keeping me in line for 10 years. so In all fairness, Dan is not wrong in defending LeBron James. My reaction to the whole thing is the temper tantrum. Mind you, Dan, like you said, he was right. It could, it was a Lakers win that was taken away. But this is why we see so many kids doing so many different things on so many different sports because of what the big mentor does. And this is not a leadership and role model that I want right now. Yeah. I, I, just be fair to That's Mark's, where I'm at. That's all. Just to be fair to Mark's point, because Julius Randle had the same issues where there'll be times where he'll maybe act a little like LeBron did on Saturday and, you know, walk up to the refs and, you know, bang on his chest, pull out his hair, whatever it was. One day he saw his kid acting like that because I guess they were playing some game at home, whatever, and uh, the, the 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 object for the kid was to act like his dad, and that's how he had. He was like, "Yeah, oh my god, oh my god, I'm, I'm doing like overzealous stuff." For those listening, and Julius Randall saw that and was like, "Damn, I need to be a better role model for my son." So I understand what Mark is saying. He's not necessarily wrong. I'm just saying it in that moment. I don't blame LeBron for acting the way he did. He could look. Obviously, there's a better way. There's always a better way to handle things, of course. Um, but you know, it, it's a it, difference between a win and a loss, and, and that's what it comes down to. So, I we we both all understand that there are two sides of this argument that could be fought in one, but we all agree to see both sides, which is a hard thing to come across when you have four good sportscasters. On to our last topic, and I can't even believe I'm allowing it. I will not even introduce the topic. So we're going right to the president, Lawrence Patman Lang, for this one. Uh, for this bit of news, we head down to New York City. Good. And in the festival of lighting up the Empire State Building, the Empire State Building went green and white. Not because the New York Jets yes. did something amazing, J-E-T-S. but they went yes. they went green and white 
for the Eagles winning the NFC Championship. And let's just say um, the internet didn't take it too lightly. The internet was in an uproar. And, you know, on one side, I can see there being an uproar, you know, Empire State Building supposed to be green and white for the Jets and, you know, other scenarios that, you know, involve the colors green and white. So, you know, I think the Empire State Building was doing a nice gesture of going green and white to say, hey, congrats to the Eagles. You won the NFC Championship. You know, what have they gone red and gold for San Fran and San Fran? And, you know, with the city being less of an uproar because it's not an enemy territory, we won't know. But... You know, hey, if Dallas was there, what if they went blue and white? That's the same colors as the Yankees. You're going to fall in there? I would be digging myself to a new state. What, if they went blue and white for the Cowboys, the Cowboys won the NFC Championship? I think New York fans would have been more in an uproar over that one, even though the yeah. green and white did, did got, got the reaction, not that they wanted. Hey, you, know uh, what? you know what? Before I let Bill and the rest of the cast and crew go, just my quick take, you know, we really bitching and moaning about this when, you know, (laughs) there's other stuff we can really bitch and moan about that happens everywhere else in New York. We're worried about what color the Empire State Building is. Are we going to bitch and moan next month in the love month of February when it's pink and pink and white and purple, not pink, white and red? And you don't have a Valentine, you're going to bitch and moan on the internet again because, you know, you're an internet mark and you have no life and no girlfriend. Really? We're bitching about what color the Empire State Building is because they decided to do a nice gesture. And Mark, stop flipping me off on the camera. You know, you can settle down a little bit, you know. But really, people, we're really bitching and moaning about this. And this is why I wanted to talk about it because every once again, something simple something small everyone is blowing out of proportion yet again mark you go first uh, i'll make i'll make it fast uh, you know yes i wanted to try to accept the fact that yeah hey look it's just the jets colors that's all it, no we all as football fans knew what that was it kind of made me feel uncomfortable in an uncomfortable place feeling like that building was being shoved up somewhere seeing those colors on it bill Okay, like me, I'll be honest, when I first saw it, I'm like, are you kidding me? Because this is your, one of your football teams is rival team. And I think that's a slap in the face to Giant fans. How is that? How, hot takes, at, but continue, continue. At first, no, this is at first, I was thinking, this is a slap in the face to Giant fans. You just a team that thrashed you a week ago. And then I'm like saying, okay, the only two times I want to see that building green is one, St. Patrick's Day. And two, and I, this is for you, Reggie, when the Jets win, when the Jets go to the Super Bowl. Um, that's for you, my friend. Um, but but then, you know what? Because first, I want to give a shout out to my very good friend, Micah Dicker, who couldn't give a rat's you-know-what about sports. And... He sent me a picture of this. He goes, Bill, did you see this? I'm like, yes, Micah, I did. And he goes, a lot of people I know are really upset about this. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm one of them. But 
to be fair to the Empire State Building, to be fair, when the AFC Championship game was over, they lit the building to red and... No, we'll get to you in a second. To be fair, they lit it red and gold for the Chiefs, to be fair. But... But it's like, you know what, I want to I want to say this, and, and some Philly, and I know I'm going on a little while here, but some Philly sports page said, we want to give a shout out to the great city of New York for being such great sports. Um, let me ask you something. I, I want to ask someone who lives in the city of Philadelphia. Did they light up the Liberty Bell or any landmark in Philly blue and red when the Giants won the Super Bowl? Did they do that? If you could send me a picture, I'll give you 500 bucks. Not that I probably don't have the money to give it to you, but I'm willing to bet it. You know why I'm willing to bet that money? Because I, because I know it's not true. All right, well, well, well I, I, will, I will interject with that one. We're talking, we are, we are talking about a Giants team, you know, when they were great you know, 15 years ago when it seems like they won the last Super Bowl, you know, this, this was a kind gesture out of the Empire State Building. Once again, we've seen everywhere in sports, you know, everyone comes together for sports, you know, everyone supports everybody. Sometimes, you know, you, you take the bigger step and, you know, you, you know, the Empire State Building's like, you know what, we're going to do something classy. We're going to say, hey, congrats to you and be the bigger the bigger team here. Danny boy, your thoughts. No, 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 no. To everything that y'all just said. No, 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 no. The Empire State Building represents New York City. It does not represent Philadelphia. It represents New York City. How dare whoever worked at the Empire State Building and whoever got the request, because I'm sure there was a request put in to have the uh, building lit up in green and white colors for Eagles. I want to know who that person is. That person should be fired because that is a landmark in New York City when a lot of things go on in New York City. sports. Holidays, all that stuff. Empire State Building represents whatever. Never will they ever represent Philadelphia. Do you see Liberty Bell light up in Giants colors? I just said that. Thank you. Or or, or uh, Jets colors? No. Do you see anywhere in Pittsburgh light up in Jet colors when they, if they were to have beaten the Steelers in the playoffs and then go on to the Super Bowl? No. It will never happen in those cities. It will never happen in Boston. It will never happen in L.A. It will never happen in Buffalo. It will never happen in Dallas. So why should it happen in New York City? And, Bill, I'm going to be straight with you. They put up the Chiefs colors because they know they got bad, bad publicity over the fact that they lit up the Eagles colors. This was to save face. It had nothing to do with them just representing the champions of the respective conferences. Right. Well, this let, me ask you something, Dan. let me ask you something, Dan. Do you think they had a request 
that yeah. said if the if the 49ers won the NFC championship game and they read it up and they lit it up red and gold. Or if the Bengals won, would they let it up black and orange? What I'm trying to Be say white and orange, but you don't do it, period. Right. It should only be for New the York Giants. and the Giants. Bottom yep. one. And the, it, 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 the Yanks it, it, and the Mets fit also. It's a huge salt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where Wait, my it, anger towards it is. How does it not piss you off as a New Yorker? Like, you can't. Oh, it annoys me. Trust me. I was look at that and be like, oh, everything's fine. It's no big deal. What? That's embarrassing. It was offensive to New Yorkers. Who from Philadelphia works at the Empire State Building that paid the Empire State Building to put up green and white colors for the Eagles? I want to know who who was the person from Philadelphia that made them do that? And again, somebody whoever was working at the Empire State Building that night needs to be fired. Fired. Because that's terrible. The one, the one great thing is, is originally I was not going to be talking about this, but, you know, president's here and he got to bring it in. We got actually a nice little conversation out of this topic. And it was nice to hear that it went on better than I thought. That's going to bring us to the end of the top of the, uh, sorry, of the 12th inning, top of the fifth. We had a very fun, fulfilling episode. Super Bowl will be coming up, but Dan, for now, if they're looking for us, where are they finding us? All right, so you, you can find us at the Empire State Building where it's lit up in green and white colors for the Eagles. Which also stands for... No. It, it, at S Insanity Real, that is the network Twitter and network Facebook handle. Um, at SIN Sports Insane is the podcast Twitter. Please follow our socials where we are going to talk about how the Empire State Building put a nice knife through the hearts of New Yorkers. I write something about that. That sounds good right now. <laughs> Go to the website, www.thesportsinsanitynetwork.com to keep up with all the blogs and learn more about the network and us. And for Mark Olduff's guy, Hal Perm, Bill Corpus, Crispy Murphy, Danny Boy, Reginald, and Lawrence Patchman Lang, good night, so long, and we'll catch you on the flip side. What's going on, everyone? Lawrence Patchman Lang here, president of the Sports Insanity Network, just reminding you to go to our website, www.thesportsinsanitynetwork, where you can read everyone's blogs here on the network and also find about the history of the Sports Insanity Network.